When Kristen and I saw those owls, both nights, there was a voice in my head that said, this has something to do with the UFOs. Welcome back, everyone. I'm here with Mike Clellan, author of The Messengers. Mike, welcome. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Okay, so I've heard this story many times, but my audience has not. So how did you get into this, the mystery of owls? Well, I've told this story many times, and I realize like it you won't understand my story without me telling this story. Like it needs to be told. So I'm 60 now. In 2006, I was 44. Yeah, I was 44. So 16 years ago. And I was living in Idaho, right on the Wyoming border, right near Grand Teton National Park. And I was working for an outdoor school and it's summer I spent in Alaska. And it was, I I think it was October, it was either late September, or early October. I'm pretty sure it was early October. And there's a school that has an office. They have a branch in the town that I was living in. And there was a young woman at the branch and I got talking with her. She was working there in town. It was an outdoor school. So camping and camping gear and bus rides and trailheads. And so anyway, so she and I talked and I, and I said, Hey, you've been here all summer, right? And she said, yeah, I've been here all summer. It's wow. You must've camped a lot. Grand Teton National Park is like right out the back door of this mm -hmm. old converted church that they used as a base. And she looked at me and said, I haven't camped once. I'm like, that's terrible. It's beautiful here. Let's, I'll take you camping. Now, at this point, I was getting into this sort of advanced form of ultralight backpacking. So I was all about just going out for one night. So I go out all the time for one night. I'll take you out camping. She's like, great. So I called her a few days later and we went out. And this is a stranger. This is like a the community there was a real outdoor camping type community. So this was, this was in essence, a first date and it was pretty normal in that environment. I've talked to other people who are like, you took someone camping on a first date. And I'm like, well, you know, you don't know the town. So it was pretty normal there. So we hiked in, in the afternoon and with a light packs, we were just going to go out for one night. I knew the weather. You could check the weather. You could look to the West and know which way the weather patterns were coming in. It wasn't going to be any rain. So we, we didn't take a shelter. So we just planned to sleep out under the stars. So we hiked in and we you can get with a light pack and the days are long and the weather was perfect. And we got pretty deep into the mountains and we found this beautiful spot to make dinner. And I'm sitting on this big flat rock and this woman's name is Kristen. And we're having a conversation. I didn't know her. We're having a conversation. And there's the point in the conversation where I realized like, wow, this, this person is really insightful. There's something there's something really smart and thoughtful and deep about this young woman. So at that moment, an owl flew right above us. And then a second owl, and then a third owl. So three owls flew above us. I'm going to say for like the next, as the sun was setting, hard to know, mm -hmm. hour and a half, two hours, these owls were flying around. They would land on trees off in the distance. They would swoop above us. They would be watching us from you know, nearby. And so three owls, it was really powerful, really magical. And so we ate our dinner and then we moved a little bit. We, we weren't caring much. So we just walked far enough away that we didn't have to worry about the food scents associated with dinner, bear country. <clears throat> we found a nice flat spot to lay down. 
we set our sleeping pads on the ground on a flat spot and faced straight up. And as we were lying there facing straight up the stars, you could just think the owls would just whoosh, fly right over our faces. And they'd blot out the stars for just a half a second. It was really powerful. It was really magical. So the next morning, we're like, wow, that was great. That was so cool. The owls, right on for those owls. And then I said, hey, that was great. Let's do it again sometime. She says, great. So four days later, I called her up and said, let's go camping one more time. So we picked a totally different spot of the mountains. This town was a little colder, so we had a tent. It might, might have rained. It actually snowed that night, so, but it wasn't much. So we got to a campsite. We set the tent up. The tarp was just a tarp. It was cold enough that it was chilly. So I said, let's climb up to that hill and we can warm up. Just this rolly hill and we were above tree line. So it was open and beautiful views. And so we walked up to this hill and we got up to the top of the hill just as the sun was setting. And three owls started flying over us just like before. Now we were many miles away from where we were the other camping trip. And I am convinced it was the same three owls. I can't prove that in any way, but that's certainly my sort of gut impression. So to have it happen once was like mind blowing, but to have it happen twice was like positively mystical. Now, what happened at the time, I did not talk about it, but I'm talking about it now. When Kristen and I saw those owls both nights, there was a voice in my head that said, this has something to do with the UFOs. And I didn't mention that for years, but it was there. I told some friends about it. I wouldn't tell, I told some friends that I had that. So afterwards, after it happened the second time, like I, I went crazy. Like, I was like, what does this mean? What do the owls mean? Like a voice in my head, this has something to do with UFOs. And I was fully aware that owls show up in UFO reports and often in this way of, of, of screen memory. So that was in 2006. In 2009, I started a blog. And in the blog, I was mostly writing about synchronicities. And one of the very first accounts I wrote, which was just a nice story, was the story mm -hmm. I just shared without the part about the hearing the owls or hearing the voice in my head <clears throat> and i and i even wrote right in the story like Kristen was telling me a really powerful story right at the moment we saw the first owls so i call, called her up and i she had moved out of the valley and i called her up she lived in michigan very close to where i grew up and i said Kristen, what were we talking about the very first night when we saw the very first owls and she said oh i remember exactly what we were talking about i was giving my deepest most heartfelt definition of what God means to me. And that was right when the first owl showed up. Now, I am not at all churchy, like the notion of God and the religious aspects of it don't mean that much to me, but it's certainly I recognize the archetypal significance, the underlying power in our Western culture for someone saying that. So it really hit home. Like, wow. So let me back up a little bit here. I was 44 at the time, and I had a series of events growing up where I had a close-up UFO sighting as a boy of about 12 years old. Also, when I was 12 years old, I had what I saw was an orange flash in the sky. Like, I never saw anything that looked like a flying saucer. But there was an orange flash in the sky, and then I got home that night, and my parents were angry at me because I was out late. And I, so 
I was supposed to be home at 9.30. I was home at 9.30. I know. And it was 11.30 at night. My parents were angry for a 12-year-old boy to come home at 11.30 at night. And mm. I was, so I have a missing time event with an associated orange flash in the sky. And then when I was 30, this one's a little tough to, <laughs> this one's a little tough to sweep under the rug. But I woke up in the middle of the night. I was alone in a home in Maine. And this would have been winter of 92, 93. It would have been this January or February of 1993. And I sat up in bed, I looked out my window, and there were five skinny gray aliens walking towards the house. And they were backlit by a big bright light. And I should have been terrified. And I wasn't, I just had this, I had a voice in my head that said, now is the time to put your head on the pillow and shut down. And that's exactly what I did. So I had those events in my life, and I could tell those events around the dinner table or on the campfire. I shared them. I, they didn't mean anything to me. And let me tell you, I started reading UFO books around 1990. And in those stories, wow, did they like, after you read accounts, those sure implied something, but I wasn't going there. I was in a complete, total state of denial. And then what happened was like that denial crumbled and I started looking into my own experiences. The act of me looking into my own experiences was first and foremost, like it was connected with the owls, right? So that was the owls. I started reaching out to the voice that it was connected to UFOs. I started reaching out to, there's a fellow named Leo Sprinkle. He's since passed on. He was a UFO researcher and based in Laramie, Wyoming. I met with him a few times. I reached out to other people. I talked to a lot of people on the phone. And then when I started the blog, the blog was initially just synchronicities and it very quickly turned into me talking about my UFO experiences. And then it felt like all hell broke loose in my life. And I was hit with so many synchronicities, all having to do with either UFOs or owls, not all, but that was the theme. And it was madness. Like I, I'm not exaggerating. I've told this chapter of my life, told about it many times. Like I say, I spent 95% of my waking hours wondering if I had gone insane, right? The universe was hitting me with so many synchronicities. People around me, Rex saw it. They were like, like, they were like, what is going on? Like the owl stuff was out of hand. So I'm much calmer now. And I wasn't then. I was pretty freaked out and agitated and high strung. And so I was getting highly charged kind of angst ridden synchronistic events. And now that I'm feel like I'm calmer, I'm getting calmer synchronistic events. I feel like I get just as many, but they don't bowl me over anymore. And I've talked to other people who've been through this and are going through this. And what I say is like, I'm no longer allowed to be astonished. Like that being astonished, it like leeches your energy somehow. But being in awe is a different emotion. I am allowed to be in awe. I am in awe of what has been happening to me, around me, in connection to these things. But I am no longer astonished, and that has been really helpful. So there's a lot that happened between 2006 and now where I'm sitting at this desk. But you asked how I got into it, and that would be how I got into it. So basically, people say, how did you get led into the owl research? And I say, no, no, no. It felt like the owls forced me into this line of research. It almost feels like I didn't have a choice. 
Okay, so this event happens. Three owls fly over you. What happens after that? I started a blog in 2009. And I on the corner of my blog, I kind of initially it was synchronicities. And little by little, I started posting what would be UFO contact type events. And wow, those were all heavy. Like, wow, did that was I reticent and shy to push the button and put those up online. And through a series of events, I ended up doing that. I can talk about that if you want. But yeah, so in the yeah, so in the corner of my blog, eventually I put I want to hear your owl stories. And then I started getting them. And what happened is this is this 2009 is pretty early in the internet era, right? And so if anyone anywhere in the world had an experience with a UFO and an owl, they would say, well, I just what happened to me? So they Google UFO owl. I'm the first one that comes up. If you can do it right now, I'm the first one that comes up. I'm about the next 25 things under that. So if anyone, anywhere in the world, someone in Finland, someone in Cyprus, I got a message from Cyprus the other day. You Google UFOs and owls, you have a question, what happened to me? They find me. The first thing and right on the top of my page is I want to hear your owl stories. I get, it would be incorrect to say I get one a day. I get about one a day. Some of them aren't that good, but I get like one powerful owl story a day and i cannot keep up with them like like i cannot keep up with them and i know other researchers who are getting more mail and mostly in the form of emails now that it's this era but the stories i'm receiving so there's like you look at the big totality of the ufo my arms are longer than the the camera the youtube camera so by the big totality of the ufo thing is like this wide spectrum of all kinds of data and all kinds of experiences and all kinds of researchers and all kinds of hypothesis and all kinds of you know scary stories nice stories angelic stories demonic stories it's all over the map i'm focusing on this little teeny sliver and i when i started doing this i figured out all like write a magazine length article and I'll be done with this. Like I'll solve this. I'll crack this all puzzle. No way. Like it has been like that pulling on this thread of owls and UFOs has been so rich. These, if there's something connected to the owl and UFO stories, these are the really weird stories. Like this is, I don't get people saying like, oh, I was like, I saw a flying saucer like way off in the distance from, you know, from my sailboat. Or I don't get jet pilots saying like, oh, you know, I was like flying aboard, you know, I was flying in the Navy jet plane and I saw like a tic-tac shaped thing off in the distance. Uh-uh. Like those are, those are normal. I'm getting the stuff that's all overlapping with psychic stuff and healing mm-hmm. stuff and in intuitive stuff and shape-shifting stuff and oh my gosh it just goes so the files i'm collecting because i'm asking about the connection with the owl is this really strange stuff which i love actually so i'm grateful for that what's the strangest story you've ever gotten (laughs) that's like i don't know so the problem (laughs) is like i got a lot of strange stories but the problems can i tell like like some of them need to be strangest So, so here, this is what happens. I get two stories back to back. These are stories I haven't told in a while. There's a woman named Karis Melina Brown. She goes by Karis Brown. She is out of LA. She's a psychic, intuitive healer, very smart, very dedicated. I feel like I'm, I'm like open. I'm open. Wow. She's 
however open I am, she's a lot more open to this stuff. So she has had things in her life that certainly imply or hint UFO contact. She has had never had. So she took a walk one day. She said, and she, in the woods, she said, I, today is the day I'm going to have, I'm going to see, I'm going to see a, a being. I'm going to see a gray alien. I know it. Today is the day. I know I'm going to see a gray alien. She just knew it intuitively. So she walks into the forest and she's kind of like, she's really a good, she's a, she said she was walking down the forest and people were ignoring her. Like people wouldn't look at her on the trail. She's like, oh, I didn't even look at me. They walked right by and like social, you say hi. So she stops and she kind of was like, oh, I'm supposed to leave the trail. So she walks off the trail and she says, oh, I'll, I'm supposed Oh, this she, I'm supposed to sit on a rock and she kind of hears a voice in her head says like, no, no, a little over to the left, no, a little more to the right. Look at, no, right, oh, you're right there. So she sits and she looks forward and in the little hole in the bushes so they could kind of dip down the trail, the terrain, it kind of went back up, but just this little hole in the bushes. She's staring these two eyes are looking back at her and it's a great horned owl. Like if she had been like this, she wouldn't have seen it. If she was like this, she wouldn't have seen it. She she had been doing a lot of fairy research research into the fairy realm yeah. and fairy folklore I, by the way i was actually thinking that the moment you began the story i don't know why so so she says she looks at this owl she said are you an alien or are you a fairy and she hears a telepathic voice in her mind that says why can't i be both you're both. And then I have this conversation. She contacted me the next day. I have this conversation recorded. It just goes out there. She talked about having an out of body, just like transcending all time and space, just drifting in and out of all realities. And then it kind of ended and the owl flew off and she walked home. Like totally mind-blowing, life-altering kind of experience. So guy, John contacts me and I met him at a UFO conference. He's a super nice guy. So John contacts me. He was in Maine. I, I was, so Karis's experience happened first and John's experience happened second. So John is in Maine and he's going on a hike today. And he had had all kinds of experiences that certainly imply UFO contact, you know, the dreams, so he just, he'd always suspected he had UFO contact. So he's going to go on a hike in the woods. And as he's driving there, he's like, oh no, today's the day I'm going to see an alien. I know I'm going to see an alien. Today's the day. And he's driving there. He follows a car and the car had a bumper sticker that said, or it had a vanity plate that said, today is the day. So he drives to the trail and he hikes this peak. So he has to go up this mountain. So he's walking up the mountain and he comes eye to eye with this owl on the trail, broad daylight. And he like says, I'm going to, the owl's going to have a staring contest. The owl was like unblinking, staring right at him. And then he said, I'm never going to win this contest. So he just walked away in the owl. He said the owl like slowly turned its head and watched him walk away. So he gets to the top of the mountain. And can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, I can bleep it out. Okay. So, so, so well, anyway, I won't, I won't bother swearing. It's, it, so. it's fun either way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So if you want to bleep it out. So he, so he gets to the top of the, this peak, which is a main, it's, you know, these kind of forested peaks and the little, so, and there's this bright light on the other side of the, and there's other people up there and they're all like, what the f is that thing? 
And this bright light is kind of like floating above the tree line off, you know, clear as like, it's not far away. And they're like, what is that thing? And then, oh, and then he came home and then he meditates. Every morning he meditates. So the next morning after this event, he started meditating. As soon as he sat down on the meditation, he's got a little spot where he sits, windows open, summertime, an owl was out his window and started hooting relentlessly. And it lasted, I think, for weeks. Every time he would meditate, this owl would, he said it never happened before. It happened the day after that owl and that bright light on the mountaintop. I mean, I have weirder stories, but that was one that just came to mind. So these aren't standalone stories, right? They both said the same thing. Kara said, I knew I was going to see an alien. John said, I knew I was going to see an alien. Neither saw an alien. They both saw owls. John saw a, a bright light, so a UFO, an unidentified flying object, and an object that he could not identify. It looked like a bright ball of light, full daylight, summertime. So, so it could have been a UFO, it could have been an orb, something like that. He didn't know. But in conjunction with this owl story, I take, I take, mm, I'm a little more like it gets my. He got they both both those stories caught my attention. So now. You had these experiences with owls. You started this blog. You collected stories. And you had some experiences prior to the owls. When did you start, or did it ever end? When did you see, or when did the connection start to be made for you individually with the UFOs versus the the owls? Well, so I was looking at a real owl. I'm convinced it was a real owl. And I heard a voice in my head said, this has something to do with UFOs. So it was connected right then and there. Like owls and UFOs were connected. I also knew from Whitley Strieber's book, Communion, owls are associated with the UFO contact experience. Boy, you read any books, they show up all the time. They show up in the form of the screen memory. It's very common mm -hmm. for people to say like, oh, I was driving down the road at night and I saw a the four foot tall owl, owl in the road. And, and <laughs> wow, do I get a lot of those, the four foot tall owls. Jeez, like I can't. The implication is that there's a, so, so I'm going to blend out some stories together. So someone's, oh, I'll tell one. This is so Dolores Cannon. Are you familiar with her work? Yes. So yeah, Dolores Cannon has since passed on. I think she died in 2015. And I've met her daughters and they've heard this story. So she, in her book, The Custodians, wrote about, I footnote this and I share this story in my book, The Messengers. So Dolores Cannon well, for people who don't know, Dolores Cannon used hypnosis. She was a family practitioner. She used hypnosis. She was a certified hypnotherapist. She, through most of her counseling career, she would use it for quitting smoking and weight loss and stress reduction and that kind of thing, That's those kind of therapeutic things. And at a certain point, she had people kind of under hypnosis, like bringing up UFO stories spontaneously. And this is people who do UFO work that they get kind of warned when you take a UFO or excuse me, when you take a hypnosis class that any thoughtful teacher would say like, just so you know, like people might start sharing these kinds of stories when they're under hypnosis. So she was at a point, this would have been in the 1980s. She met with a team at her counseling clinic, mm -hmm. had like a monthly check-in. And she said, you know this, I'm getting these UFO stories and I don't know what to make of them. Like I either have to follow these or I don't. And it's one or the other. I either have to go down this road and follow these UFO stories or, or I ignore them. 
So she was at this critical juncture and she talked about it that night for the first time, like either I need to follow this or I don't need to follow this. So that night she's driving home and there's a four foot tall owl in the road. She's driving a truck. She's in Arkansas on this lonely country road. And so she pulls right up to the owl. So the owl is looking over the hood of her truck, right? So I know a lot about owls, just the normal owls, regular owls. And you, you they're, they're not that tall, right? Yeah, they're not that tall. You get the smallest car in the world, the biggest owl, and they, that owl cannot look over the hood of that car. So she said the owl then flew. It flew down the road and landed, and she pulled up to it again. And, and then it flew and flew down the road, and it got right to her driveway and stood at the corner of her driveway, and she pulled into the driveway. She told her son, like, hey, I saw this four-foot-tall owl in the road. She said, Mom, there's no such thing as a four-foot-tall owl. So later she was at a museum in London, the Museum of Natural History, and they had a big glass case full of every kind of owl in the world. And she walked all the way down this glass case, and she said, I don't think I saw an owl that night. Like, something else happened. So the question I ask when people have these experiences what happened leading up to the event? Mm -hmm. What happened after the event? <laughs> I'll tell you the other questions I ask is, are you psychic? Do you have any healing skills? There's four questions. That's pretty much all I ask anyone anymore. I would make a terrible UFO researcher or a MUFON investigator because that's all I ask. So if Dolores Cannon isn't here, she states it very clearly. What was going on leading up to the event? Oh, I was at that juncture point when I was either going to look into UFOs or not. Obviously, she looked into it. She published like nine books that are weird, <laughs> all of them. Like there's no UFOs in her story. I don't know. She may have had some sort of UFO experience. I would almost have to think someone that immersed in it had. But there's still a UFO in the story because it's her avenue of research mm -hmm. through hypnosis. Now, there's a story you've told in the past I think where you went camping and there was like a disc or like a light on top of a, a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. This happened on March 10th, 2013, March 10th, 2013. I was coming home for, from a UFO conference. Now at this point, the blog was started in 2009. I was already like on fire with this owl research. So I was at the UFO conference. It used to be in uh, Fountain Hills, Arizona. I think it's moved right to Tucson. It was called the International UFO Congress. And I went there every year. It's actually the last time. Well, no, I went there one more year. So I was living in Idaho at the time. And mm -hmm. the conference was in right outside of Tucson in Fountain Hills, Arizona. It was like a, used to be, it was like a five day conference. It was pretty great. I mean, I talked to a lot of people and really, really found a really strong camaraderie in that crew of people. So driving home, you got to go through Utah. So I'm in Southern Utah. So I'd driven a lot around. I did work for an outdoor school and I drove around the West all the time. So I, I got really good at just sleeping on the side of the road. And so March is cold in this, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's cold in March and the desert's cold. Desert's cold in a weird way that not many people realize, but at I mean, night, like sure. yeah, better yeah, yeah. at night. So I pull off and there's a spot right along highway 20 and I pull off on the side of the road and there's this great little road. There's so, this is like to tell the story correctly. It's just like a bottomless pit. It just goes on and on and on and on. This is like one little weird detail. I worked for an outdoor school, which was located in Lander, Wyoming. 
anyone can Google my name and they'll find out. I don't want to use their name. It's like they're, I like all the people at the school. They don't need to be tied up with my nuttiness, but you could Google it. You'll find out right away. So I pull into this little turnout and there's a white Jeep. And in Wyoming, the license plates all have a county number on them. The counties are the smallest population in the but America is in Wyoming. So, but every county, so it had a Wyoming 10 license plates. 10 is Fremont County. That's where the school was. So someone camping on the side of the road, that part of the country, Southern Utah, those are people who are going to go, they're like winter's been long and they're going to go hike around in the springtime down there and go climbing and rock climbing and do the, I'm certain I knew the people in that car. I'm certain I know. <laughs> I'm certain I know. I haven't, I've been asking everyone at the school, but I haven't found out. Anyway, so I, I drive a little past him. This is a lonely dirt road. I just kind of find a spot and I park next to this juniper bush. And well, it was about 11 at that point at night. And I knew I was going to camp at this spot. I'd never been there before, but I kind of knew the general area and I knew there'd be a good spot. This was a great spot. I've been back there a couple more times since then. I've slept there again. This tells you a little bit about me. I gone, I've slept in that exact spot again about a year later. Now, so I pull into the spot, I lay my sleeping bag down. sleeping bag with a thick pad and a big pillow. It's just gorgeous in my car. So just gorgeous. 10 trillion stars. There's nothing like the desert at night on a dry night. And I roll over and go to sleep. And some point I wake up and I look, there's a hillside there. And I look to the top of this hill and there's this round structure on the hill. And I say to myself, that looks just like a landed flying saucer. And I think to myself, like, I've been doing this research. I got like, my mojo is like, my God, my vibrations are high. You know, like, I'm like, if that was a flying saucer, I'd know it. I would know it. So I just stare at this thing, like nothing. I feel nothing. Like, huh, somebody's got a roundhouse on top of that hill. So it looked like there's an image that I've done for my blog and it, people think it's a photograph. It's a Photoshop image that I created, but it's pretty mm -hmm. simple, but it looks like a big water tank. And then there's lights around the outside edges of it. Now it would be perfect if the lights were spaced perfectly. They weren't, they were kind of irregularly spaced. So, and then I fell back asleep. I rolled over. I woke up again and there was a coyote right near my head. And I mean, like right near my head, I could not see it. I've, I've camped out. Like I've spent a lot of time outside. I've camped out a lot in that kind of train. I've heard a lot of coyotes off in the distance. This felt like it was like just next to me. I couldn't, it was so loud. It was so loud. I sat up, I looked for this thing, couldn't see anything. I felt like I could have taken a little dog biscuit and just kind of tossed it and it would have caught it. So it's just howling, howling, howling. I look up at the hill, the round structure still on the hill. I'm like, great, I'm okay. There's no, like, I went back to sleep. Woke up a third time. 
and there was a bright light behind the bush, like a bright light. And I was like, did someone pull in? Right, I pulled in. Someone I just was driving late, and I just came in and parked the car. Is someone else doing that? And you kind of know what headlights look like, and you kind of know what, you know, a flashlight looks like. And I'm like, that doesn't match anything. And so I'm doing this thing, right? So there's a bush right in front of me. I'm sitting up in my sleeping bag. I'm on my pad and I kind of do this thing where I like try to get a view and there's nothing. I can't make it out, but I, there's obviously a bright light behind that bush. And I look up and the bright light is, excuse me, the round structure is still on the hill and I roll over and go to sleep. Now, the next morning I wake up when the sun was still dark, still dark out. I wanted to drive back home. It was about an 11 hour drive from that spot to my house in Idaho, maybe a little more. And on Highway 15, so I got up and I tossed everything in the back of the car. It's a weird detail. I don't remember, I might have, but I don't remember looking up at the hilltop to see if the round structure was still there. That was also the morning of daylight savings time switchover. So I kind of like something happened last night and my phone didn't match the dashboard clock on the car, which the phone automatically changed my right. junky little flip phone at that era. And then the dashboard of the car didn't change. So, so, so it was like, it, I was just like, what happened? So it's, there's totally a pragmatic reason, but I remember like the first half hour of driving going like, holy crap. As long as it's an hour, as long as the difference is an hour. Yeah, that was exactly an hour. So I don't know what happened. So there's more to that story. That happened in 2013. In 2018, I had hypnosis. I can talk about that if you want. Yes. So before I do... <laughs> okay this is the tell the story properly takes about 45 minutes but why, why don't we do this why don't you start the story and then we'll end the episode and then we'll, we'll cover the 45 minutes of the entire episode. okay so that event happened on march 10th 2013 i got home that afternoon the first thing i did was looked up on Google Maps, which was revolutionary at the time, seems kind of ordinary these days, but in 2009, it was pretty cool. Google Maps, pretty wild. So I went on Google Maps and I looked at the exact spot. I do a lot of outdoor work. I'm very skilled with maps. I knew exactly to the inch where I was lying. The terrain is unmistakable right there. I knew the hilltop that thing was on. It was like what's called a saddle. It was between two gentle hills. It was right in that low point of the saddle. And there's a big open meadow and a map, but there's no round building there. I've been back to that spot many times or three times since then, and there's nothing up there. And I think, I think we should end the episode. Okay. Okay. Point. Great. And we'll continue from there. Thank you very much, Mike. It was a pleasure. Stay tuned yeah. for the amazing conclusion of that story. Thank you again. If you enjoyed this video, please click on like subscribe and the notification button so that you're alerted anytime I post something new. Oh, <laughs>